Well, before I start complaining about Carl Anthony Towns, I want John to set the scene for us. John is in Denver covering the first round of the NBA playoffs. The only truly predictable outcome in on Sunday's games was that the Timberwolves were not quite ready to, to match up with the Nuggets. John, what was the scene like? What was the atmosphere like uh, before and after that game? Yeah, I mean, it was really lively and festive down here in Denver. Um, the, the the stadium and the arena was rocking. But it was interesting, Jim, because there was a nervous energy around the city, but particularly at Ball Arena before the game. I do think that fans, um, talking to people around here, fans have kind of been a, a little nervous about the nuggets this they they down the stretch they were 12 and 11 they were kind of underwhelming after such a you know wonderful first three quarters of the season and i think that there was a little bit of pressure that the fans were under and hoping that this team that they really believe in that can be a championship caliber team uh, wasn't going to come out flat and wasn't going to struggle. And boy, uh, they did not come out flat. They did not struggle. They just did whatever they wanted to do basically from late in the second quarter on against the Wolves. And, you know, t- I think Minnesota came in and they were a little bit tired from a crazy week that they had been through, but they put themselves in that position by needing those wins, by by needing to kind of grind through it the way that they did. And uh, they just got run out of the building. It was an incredibly disappointing performance from the Timberwolves um, and certainly a performance by the Nuggets that makes that that was designed to send a message that, hey, we are the number one seed and uh, you better pack your lunch because if not, this is going to be a really short series. He's John Krasinski. He is in Denver covering the series for The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. From many, back home in Minneapolis, Brandon Morton is our producer. The network is Talk North, talknorth.com. Best way to listen to this show or any show you like at the network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Thanks to our sponsors, TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, Head Flyer Brewing, Manscaped. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio, and we do appreciate you listening to this show and to the network, you know the drill. Great baseball show with Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal. Uh, tons of great hockey content. Uh, John and I do a Viking Update show. Uh, our last one, we talked a lot about Quezzi Odofo Mensa and his uh, philosophies and communication skills. Uh, we have Jeff Diamond on the Vikings. Uh, so, And John Malay on preps. Check it all out. We have outdoor content. Mike Grimm on the Gophers. Just check it out. You'll find a show you like. We do appreciate it. Uh, let's... so. I thought it was fascinating that if you look at Jokic's line, it doesn't look crazy good. It doesn't look like one of his typical triple-double type lines. And yet I thought he just dominated the the flow of play uh, through exactly the right passes to the right people at the right time, through no-look passes. Uh, I just felt like he was the key figure regardless of the box score. Yeah, it, it, and you can really make an argument, Jim, that they did a, ha- a pretty decent job um, – in the first half, especially of limiting him and or of preventing him from just completely dominating the game. Um, but the, the real thing that stood out to me in watching it was that Jokic knew he could get whatever he wanted whenever he wanted to get it. And so he was really determined 
to get his other guys in the flow of the game, to get Michael Porter shots, to get Jamal Murray shots, to get Contavious Caldwell Pope shots, um, all of these guys. And I think it was really important for him that they get a rhythm and a confidence going. And, um, and that's the key to this whole wave coming crashing down on the Wolves' head because you're right, he had 13 points, but Porter had 18 KCP had 15, Jamal Murray 24, Bruce Brown 14. It was just a really democratic win by the Nuggets in the scoring column, and that was all Jokic. He just really controlled the game. He was able to find his shooters wherever they were. He was making ungodly passes um, that we're used to seeing from him, but still you just appreciate in the moment. And um, and just really dicing up the Wolves defense, uh, the Nuggets were running a lot of actions. We're running a lot of sets in the half court. And it looked like the Wolves were just two steps behind uh, on most occasions. Rudy Gobert looked slow. Uh, they certainly missed Jaden McDaniels a lot in this game. Um, and they just couldn't keep up with Denver, both in the half court and in transition and so they kind of just succumbed to the avalanche. Pardon the pun. This is basketball, not hockey. But it was all Jokic really just diming and dealing and slicing and cutting this team up from start to finish. With this team, I'm just never sure how much leeway to give them, how many excuses to make for them. Uh, they had to play a lot of meaningful games down the stretch. They've had injury problems. They're missing McDaniels and Nas Reed. Gobert is playing with a sore back. Edwards has acted like his legs are tired lately. Uh, Towns is just not kind of now getting back in the flow of things. Do you think all those things, scheduling, uh, injuries, do you think those are, are realistic excuses or or did they just not play well enough? Or both? Well, I mean, I, I do think that they are real excuses in that last week you had the Sunday home game against New Orleans and you had the, the Gobert-Anderson scuffle that really took a lot of energy up for really a lot of the week getting up putting a lot of attention on the Timberwolves um, and that was a very taxing emotional exhausting game then they go to Los Angeles for the Lakers on Wednesday um, and play a very taxing exhausting uh, emotional game lose that one then they come back and play the Oklahoma City Thunder on Friday. It was an easier game, but certainly there was a lot of emotion involved and a lot of pressure on their shoulders going into that game, needing to win to get into the playoffs. And then, you know, you, you turn around two days later, you're in Denver, you're in the altitude, um, you're playing a team that has had an entire week off. And, and so I do think that in some of what we saw, in game one was schedule related. That's, I mean, that is a real thing. No one wants to give them that excuse. No one wants to say that, but I do think that was a factor in how they played. That said, they can only blame themselves for it in a way because of the way they played for much of the season. And if they had taken care of business against the Washingtons and Charlottes and Detroits that we've talked about uh, several times on this show, um, they wouldn't have had to be in the play-in situation. 
They wouldn't have had to need a win uh, against New Orleans on that Sunday in the last game of the regular season to get a better seed in the play-in tournament. They wouldn't have had to mess with the Lakers and the and the Thunder, and they could have been a team that got some much-needed rest last week and and geared up for a first-round opponent in the 4-5 game or in the 6-3 game, something like that. So um, while I absolutely am sympathetic that this was a team that seemed to be running on some fumes, they put themselves there. They had to have the the pedal to the metal the whole way through really for the last two to three weeks of the season. And so that's why they were so um, they were so tired. They were so sluggish um, and, and a big reason why they played so poorly in game one. Yeah. And to take all this even further, if they had won some of those games against bad teams, that game against the Pelicans might not yep. have meant anything. And then you don't have uh, exactly. McDaniels and, and Gobert throwing punches because they would, have been, they would have been resting for the playoffs. That's exactly right. They put themselves in the position to be in high leverage, high pressure situations and pressure can make you crack sometimes. And it looked like it made Rudy Gobert crack. It made Jaden McDaniels crack. And if that was just a meaningless game at the end of the regular season, Rudy Gobert probably isn't even playing in the game. He's probably just resting. Uh, Jaden McDaniels might be playing, but he certainly isn't caring about picking up some fouls in the first half that he he uh, disagreed with and punching that curtain in frustration um, on the way out and finding the brick wall behind it. Um, and so all of this is an accumulation of the entire season. You know, there there are some teams that approach the regular season in the NBA as if it doesn't matter because they know where they're going to be at the end of the year for the Timberwolves this season in the regular season very much did matter because it put them in the, those high pressure, high leverage situations really for the last three or four weeks of the season in particular, the last week of the season. And you'd like to say that, well, because they played in so many of those clutch games down the stretch that they should be able to be kind of mentally prepared for a game one of a playoffs. But I think that that only goes so far when your legs aren't underneath you. Um, and when you've been, you really just kind of burning the candle at both ends. And so, um, so that's, I think that's what it comes down to is, you know, these losses that they had um, that they shouldn't have had during the regular season are now starting to really take their toll in the most important time of the season. I love Kyle Anderson as a player and a thinker and a competitor. Uh, do we do we have reason for concern though that he's uh, been in the middle of a couple of scrums now here and within the last week? Uh, you know, gets into it with Braun last yesterday, and and you know I, I understand that was just kind of your typical jostling, but as soon as you throw an elbow to the face, you're you're putting yourself in a difficult situation. Yeah, it, it was a bad look, Jim. It really was, and and that is you know we can we'll get into I'm sure you know, cats shooting and, and Rudy's, yep. you know, stuff. And, and that absolutely deserves attention. Um, and, and was a big reason why they lost. But to me, one of the more concerning things was to see Kyle Anderson react the way that he did in that moment. And we asked, I asked Kyle about that after the game. And he said, look, that there was just some frustrations fl fl uh, overflowing. Uh, he said, you know, he, he shook hands with Bron. He likes him. It's, it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, uh, anything like that. But when one of your veteran guys that is supposed to be, you know, your leader on the floor, you, him and Mike Conley 
um, when he is losing his cool like that, uh, that that is a bad situation. Like that's a bad look for the Timberwolves. Kyle Anderson needs to be the one or one of the several players in this moment and certainly in these next two days that gets this team settled down, refocused, and playing with discipline. That was not a disciplined effort by Kyle. He and and it was kind of indicative of his night at overall. Like he was forcing some shots and 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 taking some some off balanced shots that he normally doesn't take. Um, and so it just was a, a raggedy performance. And I think in the moment he got swept up in it. And I was really worried at at, at first, like it could have been a, one of those reckless plays where even if he wasn't meaning to make contact with Brown, he, he could have hit him with an elbow. And then maybe you're looking at a suspension. Um, and, and so it was just an overall, you know, uh, lethargic, but also immature performance by the entire team. Um, really immature. Um, and, you know, just really like, you know, you expected more out of them, even given all of the schedule issues and everything. You really expected this team to come in and 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 put a requisite product on the floor, and it just was not nowhere close to that uh, on Sunday night. Yeah, immature was the word I was thinking as I watched that game last night. Let's get to the big men, Cat, uh, Rudy. And Charles Barkley. Uh, but first, let's uh, thank our many sponsors at, uh, of the John Krasinski Show. Let's start with TSR Injury Law. They've been with us forever. 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, Steve Terry, his partners, have, have built a remarkable business. You see the billboards everywhere. They uh, have all those billboards. They advertise with us. They are a big part of the local sporting scene because they've been so successful at taking care of their clients. They don't charge you unless they win your case, and they win an awful lot of cases. Uh, they will treat you right. If they can't help you, they will send you in the right direction. We trust them. 612-TSR-TIME is all you need to remember. 612-TSR-TIME. Let's hear about our host of the la- one of a recent John Krasinski show, Head Flyer Brewing. Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis. Jim, you and I and Michael Grady had an awesome time yes. last week uh, at the at the brewery at and, and just hosting some great Wolves fans. Had an unbelievable conversation a lot of great questions that were there and interaction neil and everyone at um at 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 head flyer was great and and really hospitable for us um and so really recommend you going down there checking it out you can buy the new batch of crunch time beer you can take it home in a can with you it has my name on it which is super cool um and they are having their six-year anniversary party coming up here on april 22nd it starts at noon goes till midnight they have live music from pert near stance sandstone alex rossi trio harlow new sound underground they're gonna have food trucks from parlor bar brad bad rooster and others they're gonna have new beer releases they're really gonna be celebrating uh becoming a fixture of uh, the north northeast minneapolis beer scene and all that they have have accomplished up to this point so go buy head flyer brewing on april 22nd visit for what's going to be a great party uh in the kind of the parking lot and in uh the beer hall there as well um and have some fun with a with a great group that has been very supportive to us and this show and um and we look forward to even being back there again uh this summer or some other time for for another live show it's just been a been a great situation for us with head flyer brewing yeah that's the thing i love about the place i mean Great. I mean, there's a lot of space inside, but 
you know, then you come to the summer, you have your choice. You sit inside, outside on the patio. There's just, you can sprawl. Uh, and you can bring your dog, which I, I have done in the past. I uh, want to let you know that solar panel, panels are the only home improvement project that pays for itself. Learn more about going solar this spring at All Energy Solar's free webinar by visiting allenergysolar.com slash webinar. Uh, you want to save money on your solar install? Find out what incentives you can qualify for at allenergysolar.com slash coach. Solar with energy storage can provide peace of mind during storms. Read their ebook, Energy Storage Plus Solar at allenergysolar.com slash batteries. So you get the picture, go to allenergysolar.com and find out all you need to know about solar energy. Uh, let's hear from John on Manscaped. Gentlemen, if you didn't already know, it's tax season here in the U.S., and you know what that means. It means that Manscaped is here to make sure your paperwork is done and your boys downstairs are having fun. Make sure you spend your tax return money on the important things this year, like family, friends, and ball deodorant. Join the 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code 83WEEKS. What better way to invest your tax return than into yourself? Manscaped has the full package from head to toe to make sure you get your money's worth this April. The Performance Package 4.0 is the ultimate bundle you need to reinvent yourself and your confidence. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is the star of the show, offering a precise shave on all your wildest hedges. Equipped with an LED light, you can navigate in and out of those difficult areas with ease. Did we mention it's waterproof as well? More exciting news, the Performance Package 4.0 now includes Manscaped's brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer. This bad boy has been totally revamped with a new and improved blade and motor and dare I say is the best ear nose hair trimmer ever. Cordless, rechargeable, and comes with skin safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 83weeks at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code 83weeks. That's 83 the numbers, then weeks, W-E-E-K-S at manscaped.com. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Brandon Morton is running the board. Uh, so let's get to Towns. Uh, I have felt some optimism over the last month as he seems to have been playing his way into shape. He's been uh, shooting pretty efficiently a lot of the time. You know, we know he's a good-hearted guy. We know he moves the ball, uh, we, that he's multi-talented. I thought last night he, uh, I don't know, it just seemed like he had the wrong thoughts in his head. He wasn't, he wasn't efficient. He was kind of dribbling into trouble. I just thought he played the opposite of the way Jokic played. Yeah, it was a definite regression and a really disappointing one, Jim, because I like you, I, I thought that he was picking up steam as the regular season ended and you got into the plan. He played terrific against the Lakers in the plan before he got into foul trouble. Uh, he was excellent against Oklahoma City in the play in tournament uh, to, to kind of clinch that win to get them into the playoffs. And then he comes out in game one and just misses everything that he's shooting. He started two for 11 in the first three quarters, which are the only quarters that really mattered in this game. He was 0 for 6 from three. Uh, he was taking some bad shots. He had four turnovers. He was forcing the ball to Rudy Gobert and making some, some ill-advised passes. And for a player who has often been criticized as a, as a guy who doesn't show up in big moments. And you know, that's a criticism that I think is sometimes unfair because he had some excellent, excellent games in the Memphis series. Um, but overall 
Uh, he still is trying to cement himself as the kind of player that rises to the moment on the biggest stage. And last night was really a bad look for him. Um, not to 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 really shoot as poorly as he did and play sort of as frenetically as he did at times. Um, it was a it was a real concern. The one thing I did like, Jim, is that after the game, he was kind of matter of fact, just saying that look, I I took the shots that I like, that my, the shot felt good. It did not go in. I just got to keep shooting it. He did not seem rattled at all by the struggles, but if, if he does not play 10 times better than what he did in game one, this is going to be a sweep. Like that's, that's how much the Timberwolves need him. That's how important he has been to them down the stretch here. And they just cannot afford to have the Carl Anthony Towns that doesn't show up in a playoff game that we have seen in previous series uh, translate and carry over to this one. He has to be so much better in game two and beyond for them to really have a chance to pull off what would be a, a huge upset. Obviously, Charles Barkley has been down on the Gobert trade all along. You and I have been more optimistic about its possibilities. Last night, Barkley on the pregame was saying, and I think at halftime was saying, this is one of the reasons he doesn't like the Gobert trade, hasn't liked the Gobert trade. He said, here you, have Yo- here you have a team that has two bigs that they're invested in, Towns and, and, and Gobert, and they're basically getting outplayed by one big guy on the other side. Uh, Rudy had a couple of moments last night, but it, 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 you know, he wasn't the force you would want him to be. No, not at all. And, you know, I, I do think the back is a problem right now. I think mm-hmm. it is limiting his mobility um, and his ability to kind of finish near the rim and things like that um, a, a little bit. There, that's, That is a, a real factor. But, I mean, that just goes all the way back to the logic of trading as much as they did for a 30-year-old center. Like, it is not out of the realm of possibility that a 30 year old center is going to have some back issues from time to time. And, and those are going to flare up at possibly the worst moments. And, and so he was limited that way last night. He's trying, um, he's doing what he can, but he is, he, he can't move that, that well. They, the wolves were outscored by 28 points in his 26 minutes. And that's just inexcusable. Um, it's untenable. If, Rudy Gobert is not providing defense that allows the Wolves to keep this game close and opens the door for shooters and screens and gets Anthony Edwards moving and things like that. Then he's just not helping the team. And last night he was not helping the team at all. He had 13 rebounds, but that's about the only thing that he did reasonably well. Uh, Jokic was toying with him. Uh, he couldn't close out to three-point shooters when he needed to when he was sharing the floor with Carl Anthony Towns. And there got to be a point at the start of the third quarter where the Nuggets just completely ignored him often on offense. And the Wolves tried to kind of force the ball into his hands to get him going and take advantage of that. And Rudy couldn't do anything with it. Um, it turned, you know, there were turnovers, bad passes, uh, got the Nuggets out in transition, and they blew the game wide open. So um, you know, they looked fantastic against the Thunder in that play and clincher. Rudy and, and Carl both played excellent and really overpowered the Thunder, but the Thunder are really undersized. This this Denver front line, 
with Aaron Gordon, who's a big, tough dude, with Jokic. Even Porter has a lot of size. Um, they are a different animal. And uh, the Rudy Gobert cat front line has to hold its own and be much more difficult to play against than they were uh, in game one, or else we're going to go into a summer you know, with even more questions than are already there about that pairing and about how you uh, resolve that issue. The question I keep getting asked when I do outstate radio is, is Finch on the hot seat? And my stock answer has been, I don't think so. I don't think he should be. I think he's a good coach. I think Connolly and, and the players all respect him. I don't think he should be judged on a year where Towns is out or sick most of the season. But could this, I mean, do they have to show something in this series for, for Finch to feel safe? Yeah, I, I don't have any uh, inkling that he's coaching for his job or anything like that. I do think that if you want to look at his season as a whole, it hasn't been the best. Um, there have been moments and a lot of them where his preference for a free-flowing offense with little structure that relies on the instincts and the feel of the players on the court uh, has really not helped them generate good shots. Uh, I think last night was another one where they needed to just have more structure and and call more plays and get get kind of the uh, the nuggets in tougher situations from a defensive standpoint. Um, and they just that's not one of Finch's strengths to do it that way. Um, so that has been a concern. Uh, certainly the 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 inability to beat, some of the lesser teams that they faced during the regular season was a concern and getting this team motivated and locked in for those games. Um, that was a concern, but also you also have to look at everything they have overcome to be to this point. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns missing 52 games, trying to figure out uh, the Rudy Gobert component uh, you know, they've had a lot of other injuries, Torian Prince and, Jordan McLaughlin, a bunch of other guys have missed time. Um, and then you look at even last week where you lose Nas Reed and Jaden McDaniels and you still beat the Pelicans. You still beat the Thunder to get to this point. So um, if you want to give Chris Finch uh, criticism for some of the shortcomings, which is deserved, and that's fine, but I also think it's important to acknowledge some of the real leadership that he's provided in like helping this team weather the many, many storms that they have faced this season. And so for that reason, and you talk to people behind the scenes here, and they still do just rave about the way that Finch operates as a head coach. He is well-liked within and well-respected within this organization. So I think things would have to go just remarkably poorly in this series to even question um if they keep him, but he's under contract. He signed an extension last summer. Um, I think he's here to stay and I think that's deserved. Um, but you know, Hey, like if things don't go well in this series and they get bounced fairly easily, I think he'll go into next season, you know, kind of with a target on his back and they'll have to make some adjustments and he'll have to coach better. But, um, I'm just not a fan of firing a guy, um, just kind of for the sake of doing it um, because this is team has had way, way, way too many head coaches. They need some stability and some continuity. And I think he's done enough to keep going in this job and, and, and to keep trying to build on it. 
I, I agree with you. Uh, coming into the series, I, I picked the uh, Nuggets in five. Now I'm wondering if I uh, gave the Wolves too much credit, <laughs> although I could still see them coming home and winning an emotional game three or something like that. What was your expectation coming in, and did it change uh, on Sunday night? Um, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be Nuggets in six. Um, I did think that the Wolves, you know, every time that they really have their backs against the wall, they do find a way to respond. And so um, I, you know, I thought that they could get two games from from a very, very good team. Um, and I will say this, like, which is very important right now. It, and we heard it a lot in the locker room and from Chris Finch after the game is this is a series. Things can swing quickly. Remember just last year, after game one in Memphis, I I honestly thought the Timberwolves are winning this series. Yeah, like so they, are, they are the they are the much better team. They dominated that game. They controlled it. They played just unbelievably well, and they're going to win. And then they lost four of the next five games. Um, and so it is entirely possible that this was a Timberwolves team that was a bit out of gas. That was just like. You know, as I thought Kyle Anderson had a great quote saying, we played this like a regular season game and it's a, a playoff game. So it, you need they need a, a kind of a, a perspective adjustment. They get two days off here in Denver to recharge, refocus, kind of look at the game plan and get back to, to, to work. And then they could get come back out in game two and play really well. And, and I wouldn't be totally shocked if they won the game. So, um, you know. A, a series can really swing back and forth. And I'm not saying that they are going to win and they are going to get back in this, but um, the, the, this is no time for panic, even as ugly as it looked um, and as much criticism as they are deservedly going to take for the next two days coming off of it. It is still just one game. And this team has shown a resolve and a resilience most of the season. So it they can absolutely get right back into this um and, and play well and make this a more competitive situation uh than 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 game was for sure if we could get tim Conley on the show and shoot him full of truth serum and get into the deepest darkest reaches of his uh mind what do you think we'd find what's going through his head right now yeah i mean i, I do think that he's um that this is a a weird situation for him obviously he spent so much time in denver he has a lot of friends in that organization when he left the Nuggets, he left for a, literally for a godfather offer, for an offer that was too good for him to refuse. But he also knew that he was leaving a potentially championship-level team with maybe the best player in the league or one of the top three players in the league um, that was poised to take the next step. And so um, when he's walking around this city that he spent so much time in, that he has so much, you know, familiarity with when he goes into the arena and sees everyone that he saw for nine years in Denver, when he looks at some of the players that he brought into that organization playing so well, um, I'm sure that he has a tinge of like a uh, longing for that group. Cause this has been an incredibly challenging year for him in Minnesota, you know, Part of it is his own making with the Rudy Gobert trade, but you've had all the injuries. You have this ownership transition. You have a lot of things um, that he has had to work through. Uh, and so I, you know, I'm sure there are nights where he just, you know, is kind of sitting back and having a beer and saying, man, it was good in Denver. And this is really <laughs> tough in Minnesota. But 
I also do know that like he really looks at the Timberwolves as a team that can eventually be built into a Nuggets like team, but might still be a year or two away from that. And he signed Kyle Anderson. He did the Conley trade that were great for that have worked out really, really well for the Wolves. And um, he's going to need some time to dig out of the Rudy Gobert trade that is going to hang around his neck for quite a long time, but there are, there are other moves to be made and, and, and things to be done to get this thing going in the right direction. And in the end, they're in the playoffs for the second straight year that has not happened since 2004. So it's not all bad here, but yeah, I have, I imagine that this is a difficult series for him. Any other opponent probably would have been preferred for him just for the emotions of the whole situation. No doubt. And uh, watching Memphis play against the Lakers, that would I think that would have been the better matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more topic today. Thanks to John. Thanks to Brandon. Thank you for listening. We are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. And we do want to thank TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, Head Flyer Brewing, and Manscaped. Uh, so I have been to a lot of NBA arenas. I don't think I've been to Denver's, or at least the new one. Uh, is, it a, is it a particularly good good or effective home court advantage is it is there anything unique about it or is it just another nba arena i i really like it it's it's it is i think it's um i think it's a little bit older of an arena but it feels new inside um and so i'm just checking right here to see yeah it was open it's been open since 1999 so it's been here a while i think it's had some renovations and things but Inside the arena, it's a really good vibe. Um, the the way that the seating is is, is set up, uh, it was packed last night. It gets really really loud in there. Um, they are certainly you know a very enjoyable team to watch play. I think helps generate a lot of energy and enthusiasm in there. Um, and it's a it's it, you know there are some of these arenas that you go to around the league right now, especially some of the newer ones that are sort of just cavernous and really um, can be amazed to get yourself around and to kind of figure things out. Ball Arena is very fan-friendly and very user-friendly in that um, it's it, it's just really easy to navigate. And, um, and then you get into the arena and like, you know, 15 minutes before the game, the place was really popping and buzzing. And, um, and it, it, it was a fun environment. So, uh, it's definitely one of those arenas that I that I enjoy coming to uh, when I go on the road. You know, more than a lot of the other ones, just with with the energy that's around it, and plus it's in one of my favorite cities in in the country too. Just a great city. Cool. Well, enjoy your time there. We'll talk again next week. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see, see where the series is, where the wolf season is at this time. Thank you to everyone who listens. We do appreciate it. Uh, keep checking out talknorth.com for all of our other shows.